welcome to the Dojo Talk Podcast. Please remove them shoes before entry. Say Master is here, and you still have not taken off your shoes. Every day to define man's mission yeah. Look into the sky for divine transmission yeah. Deaf man's vision makes the blind man listen yeah. Eyes on the prize, this is blind ambition Thank you Blind ambition Welcome to the Dojo Talk Podcast I am your host, Serial Sensei and I'm here with my co-host, Antaku, and we are on episode number six uh, of the show. What's going on, man? Uh, nothing much. We just hate to talk about these fights. All right. And we might have a lot to cover, so I guess we will just jump right into it. So, first uh, order of business, uh, UFC on Fox 23, which happened... On the what day was that? That was about the twenty eighth. Yep, twenty eighth. Uh, so we'll run through this main card, probably a couple of prelims, and then we will move on to uh, other happenings in the MMA and fight world. But uh, main event: uh, Valentina Shevchenko versus Juliana ah, Juliana Pena. Um, it was hard to follow the co-main event after well we'll get to that later but (laughs) this fight wasn't the most exciting but even though it wasn't that exciting i actually i was impressed with what i saw um Mm -hmm. i I wish i could have seen a little bit more of shevchenko's striking but she showed she's a very competent grappler she got put in a few few bad spots that she managed to get out of she showed she was pretty competent in the clinch, and apparently her <laughs> submission game is on point, and she ended it with an armbar. To be honest, this fight wasn't that eventful. It's not too much to go off action-wise, but yeah, I was I was surprised she got the armbar, and the, the setup was nice, and she b- pretty much left that fight, like, un- I, I'm going to say unscathed, but... She she looked like somebody I want to see fight for a belt. Yeah. I don't know if I will pick her to win, but I'm not going to argue her getting a title shot at all. I will. She's probably going to be doing this the second time around. <laughs> um, yeah, this fight is like a, it's a good example of just how like uh, what double-edged sword Shevchenko's game is at um, 135. She's, uh, she's a flyweight. She's 5'5". Five, five, like, she's and the, standing next to Pena, like, and home for that matter, you can really tell she's a flyweight. She's just so well rounded; it doesn't really matter because, and uh, she's so well rounded, and you know, it's not like a lot of women at that weight, yo, know, hit super duper hard. Right. And if they do, they're not technical enough to land consistently on someone like Shevchenko. But um, we saw that she's she's a very patient outfighter, and what ends up happening is she is pretty easily pushed up against the cage. And that's what, uh, that's one of the reasons I was, um, hesitant against, uh, when it, 
when she actually debuts is because she's very laid back. She will she's not gonna knock anybody out. But she but um what I guess we all didn't know is she's a very accomplished uh Judica. Right. <laughs> uh, uh I think uh Stephen Wright, Johnny Hendricks striking coach, the former striking coach for most of the guys that seems to uh take down. Hmm. For guys like Chas Kelly and um Rochelle. Uh, he cut together this highlight reel. It just has her doing like uh, her, you know, kung, uh, her wushu, her muay thai, her kickboxing, but also judo. <laughs> Excuse me, judo, wrestling. Uh, apparently, she's a master of sport in both. Did not know that. I would. I wonder. I don't know if it would be a stretch. Is she the most? She might be like the most well-rounded in that division. Like I joke that um, Cyborg is you know uh, the Bo Jackson of like women's combat sports, yeah. But that's kind of Chevchenko also, where she does just like everything and she excels at it to like a ridiculous degree. And like, it was, I was gonna say, I, I think it was wild too because Pena, it's not like she didn't. Pena's part part of Pena's plan, I felt like, was working. You want to put her against the cage. Obviously, this isn't somebody you want to really stand with. Yeah. Like, she had a lot of advantageous uh, positions, but it was almost like it didn't matter. I mean, aside from she got off a few knees, nothing too significant. But you, I thought when it went to the ground, I was like, oh, Pena's going to either ground her out, ground and pound her out, or, you know, she'll just take her down to a decision. Yeah, it's, it just it it's didn't worth happen. Noting that uh Pena's like opposition to USC outside of like Kat Zangano has been Milana Dudieva, Jessica Ocosi and Jessica I. And I think those three have like one win between them. And the uh, I uh mentioned this before the fight, but Kat, the Kat Zangano she fought yeah, she had fought. Is there any way we can hold, uh, put this on hold for real quick? <laughs> I'll be right back. My doorbell just rang. Right. Should I edit this out as a podcast? I don't even know if I'm going to edit this out. This podcast might be so real that I might just keep this in. This is real life. <laughs> but yeah, man, uh, for the listeners, if you don't know who Shevchenko is now, man, you better get get familiar. She, it's weird because it's not like she's the most vicious. You good now? All right. Sorry about that. You good? I filled in that are just randomly talking. Oh, Julia Pena, uh, the Katsugan she fought had fought once in twenty three months, I think it was, and it was the, like the sec- it was um the thirteen second fight against Ronda. Mm-hmm. So you know, that's not really a fight. <laughs> yeah. So, ring rusting and the like, you know. It's weird, too, because when I watch 
Shevchenko. Like, I feel like there are other fighters you watch, and it's like, they have, like, Nunez is like, you watch her, and you're like, yo, this chick, she hits really hard. Like, she's scary. Yeah. And you look at Shevchenko, and as, like, talented as she is, like, she doesn't look like, you know, she doesn't, like, have that, like, killer look, like, she's gonna go in and take your head off. But then you fight her, and she can, right. And she goes in, and she can do everything you can do. She's but probably better, and she's yeah, just yeah. so much more well-rounded than than everyone else is. Kind of reminds me of the person, the co-main, the winner of the co-main event. That is true. A- except that she fi- uh, she finds a way to win the big ones, I guess. Now I need a memory refresher. I remember watching the first fight, but I don't remember how her and Nunez is. Like, was that a close? I need to refresh my. Okay, so the first two rounds were Nunes' uh, rounds. Um, what ended up happening is like you could tell towards like the, uh, towards the take because uh, she won them basically on takedowns and like top control and ground to pound. But you could tell going into the second round she was tired, and Shevchenko tried to close the distance and get a trip take it down, but Nunes just kind of powered her down and kept her there for the rest of the round. And that was like halfway through the round, I guess. So, uh, it, but towards the third round, like, it looked like she was about to stop Nunez because Nunez was just dead tired, and she was just, like I, the the main knock on Shevchenko is that she doesn't doesn't like put it on people. Uh, not the the killer instinct. Yeah, and she was just really hesitant in that third round. But if that round had gone to a fourth or a fifth, it's tough to have seen. Nunes, uh, you know, rallying back to win a round and take a decision. Maybe she doesn't get stopped, but I, I, I find it really hard to see her winning those fourth and fifth rounds in that fight, particularly. So, I guess I'll just jump out. Do you, you feel comfortable? We think Chef Shanko takes the the rematch. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Which is funny because I think she'd have a worse chance against someone like Ronda Rousey. Like I think stylistically, Shevchenko, uh, like Rousey, could beat Shevchenko. Like the Rousey that fought Holly Holm could beat Shevchenko because the Rousey that fought Holly Holm isn't all that all that much all that different from the Juliana Pena she fought tonight. Except she's a bet, way better grappler and right. takedown artist and clinch <laughs> fighter. True. I don't. I feel like I gotta go back and watch more footage. I don't. I don't. I, I, this is still a pick 'em fight yeah, to me. You know, I will say that. Um, I want to say Nunez didn't get to um, ATT until like either right before or right after the Cat Zingano fight. Hmm. And she's been working there ever since, and you know she's grown leaps and bounds since then. And she's she's going to leave some balance since the um, the her fight with Shevchenko, so it's possible that she comes into a third uh, to a rematch and she just looks like light years ahead of what she looked in that fight. And mind you, she won that fight, but so yeah, it's completely possible that she just puts it on her and wins. I think they've both definitely gotten a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um. I can't say who 
has improved more. I guess you have to say Nunez. I guess she has the title, so <laughs> maybe by default I'll say she's improved more. But I, I can say, though, with Shevchenko, though, like, even from the last time I've seen her, she just looks leaps and bounds better. And that wasn't even that long ago. That was so, probably home. Right. And she looked amazing as I home. So, and that was, when was that fight? July. Yeah, that that's not a far gap. So I'd imagine that by the time she fights Nunez, we might even see another wrinkle in her game that we've never seen before. Yeah, we've never seen before. But I do wonder though, for for that fight, I wonder if she can handle like Nunez Nunez's aggression. But then for Nunez, I wonder if she gets aggressive, can she keep that pace or? I, I don't. Th- uh... I don't think she can, but I, I also think um, they're going to work takedowns a lot more in that into like the game plan. But like that was their uh, that was the game plan for the first fight. I think that's what they're going to go back to, and we'll see how that works for her. Uh, now you got to worry about triangles. <laughs> really, that like the armbar she set up like. Pena, uh, that she set up on Pena was just like beautiful. Oh yeah, yeah, man. Oh, it would have yeah, been no, picture no, no. perfect if um, what you call it? Yeah, uh, if it, we hadn't seen it like ten seconds earlier, it would be seen Pena like escape the exact same armbar ten seconds <laughs> earlier. I wonder if that just caught her off guard. Like I know it, it caught me. I mean. But if you watch it, though, you could tell the the entire time when she was on the ground, she was fishing for, like, she was putting her legs in position to either go up for an armbar or a triangle. Exactly. I just think... Pena literally stood up out of an armbar attempt 10 seconds before she got caught. Like, she dove right back in, put her her right arm around the head, uh, around Shevchenko's head. Shevchenko proceeded to overhook from the, uh, like, underneath drag her arm across her body and grab the wrist with her right hand and just lock up the arm bar from there. It, it, it was just perfect wrist control. Fedor effect. Yep. <laughs> Fedor <laughs> and Fabricio. Also, I'd like to make a quick shout out to like Rick Lee. Or was it? Was that the name I came up Yeah, Rick Lee, I think it was. Yeah, her coach. Her coach. Uh, she, um, Juliana Pena's coach. Like, and just the reminder that there are other coaches out there be, not named Edmund who uh, who say questionable things like I don't let my fighters protect themselves from body shots because because body shots only drop wimps <laughs> like I'm paraphrasing but that's basically what the word that's basically the words that came out of his mouth mind <laughs> you this man trains Michael Chiesa if I, if I remember right he trains Michael Chiesa <laughs> you know, like in- I, I guess I guess since Shevchenko's winning, maybe that's why nobody's gonna, you know, I feel like if any other coach would have said that, they probably would have been torn a new one. But that was that was Pena's coach. Oh, that was Pena's coach. Shevchenko's coach is like, Shevchenko's coach just got shot in July. Oh, like it, like it, like they were at um, like a fast food restaurant and uh. But Shevchenko was there with him, and they got shot. Like some guys tried to rob the place. Um, as they were leaving, like the cashier pulled out a gun and just started firing. And Shevchenko's coach called one in the back. Jesus. Yeah. 
Yeah, Peru is a tough place. Apparently. Mm. I'm pretty... I feel like our coach can't mean that. Rick Lee? Yeah, like... <laughs> I, I think he does. Did you see, like, the pre-fight interview they, they had during the show? During the beginning, like, the, the prelims, I think it was? No. Uh, like, the dude is just high as fuck. <laughs> like, he's mumbling, like, uh, I don't know shit about altitude. Uh, like, I don't know anything about any of that. I know I train my fighters hard. Uh, yeah, that's not... And he's mumbling all of this. <laughs> If I'm a fighter, I don't think that's what I'm trying to hear from my coach, that you don't know about altitude. Well, uh, <laughs> it fits into Juliana Pena because she's, like, batshit insane. Like, uh, she says, like, the most absurd crap. Like, um, she didn't want... She says she purposely didn't get, go on to UFC 205 because she didn't want to share the spotlight with Connor. I did read that. I do remember reading that. She said, like, she should get paid more than men because women draw more. And I'm like, your name's not Ronda Rousey. Yeah, about to say. And I don't, I don't, I'm going to guess and say statistics don't support that. Nope. But even if women did draw more, no disrespect to her, but I don't think she would be. I, she's not one of those women. Yeah, she's not. No, no disrespect. But yeah, she's definitely not. I think the overnight ratings for this card were, like, down from... I think it was, like, the worst, like, January card they've done so far, which kind of sucks because it was, like, a really fun card, but... It was. And I hope, at least out of this... I know she probably won't get the promo, but... If you're listening, give... If you haven't watched Shevchenko's fight, so you don't know much about her, get familiarize yourself. Yep. This is somebody who's probably... She is a special talent. Yeah. Great talent. She's probably going to be around for a while. She's definitely, she's easily one of the most well-rounded 135ers, not even a question. And she, she's, she especially she, has to be because she is a 125er. Right. <laughs> Fighting people that are just way bigger than she is. And she's probably going to hold the belt at some point. Exactly. She's, she's probably going to get there. Yep. Right. But uh, A better question is who who is going to who's going to fight the winner of um, Nunez or Shevchenko? But it's such a cluster after that. It's not even a cluster. It's just like a desert. Because there's no more, there's no more Misha Tate. No more Ronda Rousey apparently. There's no more. Yeah, Ronda. That's that's probably. Or even if she comes back, she's she's sidelined for God knows how long. Me, and then you got you got Holly Holm fighting Jermaine Duran, Jermaine Durandamy at for one at, for a 145 title that will mean substantially less than the Bellator 145 title which will be like fall for like a month later man yeah that oh my god I didn't even think of that like this is what happens when you don't sign fighters for your division Like I can't I need... for like the longest time, try, like saying that they should sign on um, Valentina Shevchenko, and then she comes in and she goes three and one against top ten competition. Like there are women out there who could probably do that. There, are, there aren't a lot of them, but I can think of a few who should have been signed like yesterday. You know what I mean? I'm trying to find the rankings. So I can even okay after oh god so Holly Holm, Ronda Rousey, Raquel Pennington, Raquel Pennington, Kat Zingano, Sarah McMahon, Carmouche, Betch, 
And then after Betch, it just like. What do you mean after Betch? Really? I'm, 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 I'm trying to give people some passes. I'm, I'm trying to be a little optimistic. Like, I can see, um, let's see. I, I'm assuming they're going to do Raquel Pennington versus Sarah McMahon, and that will be the person who fights Shevchenko Nunes. Um, after that, maybe they, Kat Zingano. Maybe Liz Carmouche sneaks in there, but yeah, they man. Whoever wins out of uh, Shevchenko and Nunes, that that belt just might play pity pat between those two because realistically, I don't see. I mean, I feel like Cat always has the potential to get mm-hmm. back up there, but like outside of outside of that. Kind of a, it's kind of a wasteland almost. Yep. It's not, yeah. There's not a uh, lot. A fight I would like to see is Holly Holm versus Amanda Nunes. But there's a, a legitimate chance that Jermaine Jermaine Deronimi just knocks Holly Holm the fuck out. Like right. <laughs> and do I really want to see Amanda Nunes just take down and beat up Jermaine Deronimi again? Man. I'm gonna have to keep an eye on this division now. I didn't realize like how the rankings look. It's it's crazy what a year can do. <laughs> That's all I can say. Yep. Because a year ago we fighters gone. Like that just that just speaks to how deep lightweight is, by the way. Because lightweight loses like its champion every time they lose, and it still remains one of the te- like the toughest right. divisions. <laughs> Edgar yes. gone, Bendo gone. Uh, Rafael Dos Anos gone, Anthony Pettis gone, and it's still it's... a Shark Tank. Exactly, <laughs> still a Shark Tank. But I guess, uh, yeah, that's that for uh, Shevchenko and Pena. And now to uh, the co-main event. This was my personal main event. I was so hyped when I heard this fight got announced. Uh, Jorge Masvidal and Donald Cowboy Cerrone. A lot of trash talk before this fight. I was personally excited because ever since Masvidal came over, I've always felt like he's a top guy. He just never got matched up with top people to show it. But then, unfortunately, also, he didn't help his case with, like, losses to... Uh, he, all right, he lost to Ally uh, Iquinta, he which lost. wasn't a... Yeah, wasn't a... Air quotes on that. Right, he air quote lost. And then he... Did he lose to... Ro- was it Ross Pearson? There was another close he loss to, um, that he had. Um, Kabilov. Yeah, okay, Kabilov. That was yeah. a spinning I... kick fight where like Kabilov just like did a cartwheel kick, and that was what won him the third round. Yeah, he see Masvidal's I guess problem. All the talent in the world, but I do feel like sometimes he has a tendency, I guess, to coast. Which is the only reason I can see the judges would have made him lose the Quinta fight. But even with that, he should have won. But yeah. that's another story for another day. But uh, and this cowboy fight, uh, there was no coasting. <laughs> nope. There was it was go mode from both of them though. Cause even though uh, cowboy, uh, he he got he got floored twice. Um, the first round was awesome. It was everything I was hoping it would be. Good striking from both. 
uh, Cowboy battered Masvidal's leg. Like, I imagine when he woke up that next day. Yeah. Even though he was happy that he won, that leg was, was feeling it. And, yeah, they, they both were landing. They both were standing in the pocket, trading, both landing good shots. Roney got off good body kicks. Masvidal worked his hands. But you could feel as the fight went on that Masvidal was starting to starting to find his, his spots. And then at the end of the first, he dropped him with that combination and... I thought it was over. Yeah, it, it it sounded like it was over. Yeah, I thought it was over, and it, it probably should have been over. It should have been because, I mean, as a fan, you know, half of me like, oh, I want to see more action, but when Masvidal, I think he caught him with, I think it was like a left and then a right that dropped him, and then he followed up with ground and pound. Mm-hmm. But I just remember in the corner, you know. Yeah. Uh, Cerrone's sitting, you know, by Greg Jackson, and Greg's like, "You need to do X, Y, Z, A, B, C, blah, 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 yelling out instruction." And then he's he asks Cerrone, "Now, what did I just tell you to do?" And Cerrone just had this look on his face. Yeah. Like, bro, dude, I have no idea what you just like. <laughs> yeah. I hate to laugh, but it was like he wasn't even there. It was, uh, like that fight. Greg Jackson should have stepped in and been like, "Yeah, this is you know." I know where Greg's coming from, though, because, like, Cerrone's prone to getting hit early. Right. But never like that. Like, yeah, like, never that bad. But, um, yeah, like, the whole narrative coming into this fight, it was, like, two guys who always, you know, they always get to, like, that that big fight, and they seem to come up short. But, uh-huh. uh, like, Masvidal, this great, fantastic, arguably, you know, one of the greatest strikers in MMA right now, you know, gets outboxed by Gilbert Melendez, like, throwing one-twos, has, beats up Ally Quinta, like, as he's, like, on this big winning streak and he's going to, you know, get a top 10 opponent, possibly a title shot. Came short against Bendo, you know, his first main event. Um, but since like moving to welterweight, like you can tell it's done wonders for him. Just his output, his approach to fighting, it's more aggressive. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, there's no more coasting. Yeah, he hasn't coasted since he's been in 170. It's been go mode, and I felt terrible for Cowboy in that second round because you could tell he was. It just felt like he was on autopilot, like. He's throwing punches not to get a knockout. He's just kind of... He's trying he's to trying keep to, him off of him. Yeah, he's just trying to keep distance. And, I mean, props to Jorge, though. I mean, rough doesn't stop the fight. You got to keep doing your job. And it was just go mode for the second round. Like, he, he just put the pressure on him. Didn't let up. Uh, so, so the combination that... Uh, well, the setup for what ended up hurting Cerrone both times was... um. Cerrone would throw a kick, a body kick, or a head kick. And as the kick was coming down, Jorge Masvidal would grab at it with his lead hand uh, and use that split second to throw a right hand over... uh, Well, the first time he threw a right hand right over his leg, and that was in the first round. That's the punch that dropped him. And in the second round, he took it... So he uh, he caught the kick with his left hand, threw a left hook as the 
as he was letting go of his uh, as he was going letting go of Soroni's leg and followed up with the right hand. But when we went back and watched it, Masvidal literally had done that from like the opening bell. Every time Soroni was throwing a kick above the waist, he was going down and catching it. Like and that his was hands are, are fast. Yeah, but that that was obviously something he they were like ATT and his coaching staff were very aware of. And were like that was their trigger for like winning this fight, basically. And it, it definitely worked. And then after he rocked him with the combination, I think he just caught him against the fence. Really, just threw like a ton of body shots. Mm. Threw a couple to the head, and I, then he landed yeah, really a few like, body. Like and... he, he knows Cerrone is. Yeah. His liver's probably crap by this point because of all the core's life. <laughs> Yeah, he, yeah, he worked him the second round, and then Herb had enough. And I was glad to see too that Cerrone didn't like protest to stop it. Cause I, I saw some people saying they thought it was early, which I I disagree with completely. The second round shouldn't even have happened. Exactly. Yeah, like he 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 took way more punishment than he needed to. I'm glad he didn't protest or or anything. So. Cerrone's 170 streak comes to an end, and with yeah. this win, Jorge just leapfrogs. <laughs> just... Yeah, like, well, here's the thing, like, what, like, like, Walter is not that much different from women's bantamweight right now, not in terms of talent, but in terms of title contenders, like, Robbie Lawler is nowhere to be seen right now. Carlos... He's in crowd. <laughs> Carlos Condit's in basically all but retired. Lorenz Larkin's a free agent. Dongyang Kim can't seem to make it to fight night for whatever reason. Like, when was the last time he fought? He fought recently, didn't he? Yeah. He oh, fought, yeah, he fought um... Safadine. Yeah. But that was after a year of sitting out. Yeah. Um, Neil Magny is Neil Magny, and, you know, he's probably never going to get a title shot. Rick Story, same thing. Yeah. Uh, Gunnar Nelson, Nelson just broke his ankle and, like, November, I think it was. November, October, something like that. Johnny Hendricks is at 185. Then you have Jorge Masvidal. Then you have Tariq Safadine. Matt Brown's old as dirt, and his liver doesn't work. Then he just, yeah, he's coming off a KO. I mean, like, in in actual fight years, Matt Brown has to be, like, 50, because he actually died. (laughs) Like, 50, 60. Like, it's... Yeah, it, it is not a surprise that he's slowing down and he's losing all these big fights. And 15 is Ellenberger. Yeah, so, like, realistically, if it wasn't for Maya, Masvidal would be your next number one contender for um, Woodley Thompson. So I guess, uh, do we assume that that's the next fight? Um, Maya. Masvidal and Maya. I think Maya has his heart set on that title shot, and I think he, I think Dana likes him. Uh, well, I, maybe not, but like I think enough people like him that they'll give it to him. Because uh-huh. like, none, none of those fights are big fights. Like just being honest, they're all great fights, but they're not big fights. A fight that might happen since um, Lawler just left um, um, uh, American Top Team is you know Lawler Masvidal. That's a fight we might get. Wouldn't complain about that. I, I loved his call out after the fight, by the way. Masvidal, he's just like, Dane, I got two hundred, I had two hundred k. None of these motherfuckers can beat me. 
But I mean, realistically, yeah, realistically looking at the top ten, I mean, I'm, I'm he's got the potential to knock anybody out up here. He could beat any of them. Yeah, he could definitely beat any of them. And it's like at 170, I feel like his his power carries over. What's gonna be it? What's gonna be interesting though is um, Rafael dos Anos is moving up, and while I don't think his size fits the division like Johnny Hendricks does, he he is kind of uh, like does Masvidal beat does Masvidal beat um, Rafael dos Anos? I am going to say yes. Because Dos Anjos left his coach. Mm. And I feel like ever since he left his coach, I don't know how to say he's a bad fighter. That would be a stretch. But it seems like something. I don't think leaving the coach was the right move. I don't think going up to welterweight was the right move. Not saying he might not win a fight or two, but. I think his whole reasoning was like he's a like when I say um, RDA is a big dude, he's a big dude for lightweight. Like he's not tall, but he is muscly, and he's especially after like the strength and conditioning program they got him on. Hmm. So that uh, I think that's a really tough cut for him. But like there was that whole piece out that he was describing his weight cut for the um, for the Tony Ferguson fight, and he was like, I I fainted in the tub. I almost got concussed falling on like the um, faucet. Oh. I'm not sure how much of that is, you know, that a bad weight cut or that fight being in Mexico at out like as high altitude as you could altitude. possibly get. But um, yeah, it sounded really bad. So you know, if he has to go up to 170 to save, uh, you know, and save a little bit of himself, uh, yeah, by all means, yeah. I mean, I'd but, rather but, you... And like I said, a lot of these dudes, like... Uh, um, like, is Tarek Safadine really going to beat RDA at this point? <sighs> is, is Neil Magny really going to beat RDA at this point? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing with RDA is, yeah, even though he, he's, he might give up height, probably going to give up some reach, the skill, yeah. you can't... And that's the thing I think that works for Masvidal so good is he's not like a huge 170, but the technique is flawless. Yeah. So when you, when your technique is there, it kind of it doesn't I'm gonna say it negates the size, but it makes it less of a factor because I mean you can just look at the boxing and I look at this top ten. His hands are better than probably Maybe. everybody. Possibly. Probably. Probably not stronger. I won't say he's definitely not the stronger, he's, but he's not gonna, just yeah, he's not going to freaking like beat um, Tyron Woodley in like a punching machine or something. But... Right, but technique-wise, yeah, he's he's probably better than everybody in the top ten, just strictly with the hands. So I heard an interesting theory about why Dinosaur only seems to always lose like the big fight. And I, I, I want to get your opinion on it. Oh, well. All right. So um, it was Patrick Wyman and Connor Rebush over on the Heavy Hands podcast. Hmm. Um, they were talking about how what ends up happening with um, with uh, Donald Cerrone is he fights like five times a year, and he always seems to lose at the end of the year. 
So what they think happens is he fights so damn often that as his performances go on, they get like less impressive. Like um, towards the end of his run at um, lightweight, right before he fought RDA, he fought like he he was on an eight fight winning streak from um, November twenty thirteen to um, December twenty fifteen. Right. He so from. It went from Evan Dunham to Adrian Martins to Edson Barboza to Jim Miller. Then he gets to Eddie Alvarez and he looks okay. Miles Jury, that was like um, Miles Jury, you know, basically fuck uh, fuck that fight. <laughs> then he gets to Benson Henderson, a fight that most of us thought he lost. Then he gets to Magdesi, uh, who's a late replacement. Then he gets to RDA. And then he gets blown out. Like, do you think a large part of the reason why Cerrone just always seems to fall short in the big moment is because he just fights so damn often he's always in camp? Oh, man. That's... I mean, it may... It... Like, even this uh, fight... Let me, like, let me even... look at this one. Like, the current win streak. So he, he beat Cowboy, the welterweight Cowboy, Kote, Story... It's hard to say. I mean, it definitely has to take a toll because even if you leave these fights like unscathed or you dominate, you still got to take into consideration it's another fight, it's another training camp. You're traveling constantly. Yeah. Oh, man, that's... That's hard to say. But it makes... It also makes a lot It does make sense, though. Like because you, like look at his run after he loses to Benson Henderson the second time. Like he fought he fought um the twenty eleven, he fought five times. So he, he goes he fights Paul Kelly, he fights Wagner uh Wagner Ro- 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 Rocha. Okay. He fights um the Bronx, he fights Dennis Seaver, and then he just like completely just the bet against Nate Diaz. But that's what four fights and what like leading up to that fight, and you consider he fought the December of the year before. Like that's five fights over twelve months before he has to fight Nate Diaz. That's five training camps. That is true. Well, all right, I'll say at least in the RDA fight. To be honest, I don't think. I don't care what training camp you got. I love Cerrone. I don't think <laughs> I don't think fighting less would have saved him. To be honest, I think yeah. the same result happens. But you, yeah, I think it's fifty-fifty. I can't say that completely is the reason he doesn't show up, but I, I can't dismiss it either because yeah, like anybody who fight, no matter, it doesn't matter how good you are. Like if you fight that many times, even if you're winning all of the fights, like. You're still human. Your body's going to tire out. Yeah. You're doing all this traveling, all these different places. You're skydiving. Right. <laughs> yeah, and you got to think, yeah, hey, he's one of those dudes who outside of fighting, he does all kinds of just wild, off-the-wall, you know, yeah. <laughs> off-the-wall stuff. Yeah, man, I don't know. Maybe he should try to tone it back to, I mean, dude, average is, what, like five, probably got to be, like, close to five fights a year. Yeah, he's still broke. Maybe, Yeah. Apparently still having a problem with taxes and <laughs> all that good stuff, but 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like it's worth an experiment. The thing is, him him slowing down and taking less fights still equals to what most people would do in a year. Yeah. So, I'd say, yeah, if I'm a coach... Also, if, you he, know, if he doesn't fight, he probably you know, goes broke. Well, I, I would imagine, I would hope, after this loss, especially considering kind of how brutal it ended, that he takes time off. Absolutely. Maybe tries to figure out, you know... Maybe maybe take maybe wait a while before he he jumps right back in there because yeah after a loss like this you don't wanna you don't wanna jump back in because no no fights in this division are necessarily at least in the top five none of these are gimme fights yeah who it, do you think though he should match up with next uh Saruni um because if if Condit doesn't want to retire. If Kanye doesn't retire, I I love that fight. But yeah, not, I'm I'm foaming at the mouth for if, that fight. If not, I say have him fight the other Iron Man, Neil Magny, and then like have them fight. Actually, have them fight like five times in a year. Let's <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> I'm not mad at that. And if that's if he just wants a tough fight, I say Lorenz Arkin if they manage to resign him. I hope they get him back. Real quick, though, before we go into the next fight, because I was actually thinking of this the other day. I know, like, general consensus was Faber is, like, the most talented fighter that never won a belt. In in the UFC? Who's actually fought in the UFC? Yeah, in the UFC. I think Cerrone might... I would argue... I ain't gonna say I'd argue now. He's almost up there with Faber. Yeah. As far as dudes who... In fact, you know what? I pro- I think I'll say it. I think he's past Faber now. Like, I think he's probably in, the most talented dude. In terms of skill, I think he's better than Faber, yeah. Yeah, and he's he's never... And I want to believe so bad that he'll... Even if he doesn't defend his belt, like, he'll at least get it. Even if he loses his first defense. Yeah. Because I think even with this loss to Masvidal... It doesn't knock him too far back. He's still in the mix. And like we said, half the division is either retiring or gone or old or hurt. Right. And any the the people that aren't retired is he can beat them. Yeah. Not they're not gimme fights, but he's got a good a good enough chance. We'll see. I hope hope he takes time off, assesses you know, whatever he needs to get together and uh we we see him back in there. Uh, see, I made a mistake and clicked off of the screen. So, what was the next fight, though? Next up, we have Francis Ngannou murdering Andre Karofsky. Oh, God. Uh, Not a whole lot to talk about. Not at all. Beautiful. Um, Okay, I will say this. MMA is the greatest sport in the world because four and a half years ago, Francis Ngannou had no fucking idea what what MMA was. <laughs> he was, he was literally just a very big man who was poor and wandering the streets of Paris. Goes and walks up to MMA like the the owner of MMA factory. He's like, "Hey, I'm poor. I need to put uh, like, but I want to like work out and I want to put. And uh, if you let me clean like." the gym after fight uh, like after like practice uh, like that's how I'll pay and the dude was like you're big as shit 
we will pay you to come in and be big as shit and punch people <laughs> and pick things up. And that's basically how he got in the MMA. And, that, and now he just knocked out the former UFC uh, UFC heavyweight champion in like over 90, in just over 90 seconds. And it's crazy because like I rewatched that fight earlier today and literally the entire fight was, okay, we're filling each other out. We're filling each other out. Yeah, a little shadow punch here there. And then the first time he lands is over. Yep. Like <laughs> the craziest part about that is if that was most other heavyweights, Arofsky probably would have dinged them. Like like we like, make no mistake, Francis Ngannou countered that punch beautifully. And technically very well. Like it, it wasn't like just this fluke thing where Arofsky whiffed from way outside. Right. Like that's a punch Arlovsky throws and throws often with like confidence and lance more times than not. But the the left hook he threw like right over it was just beautiful and it's absurd that he's as good as he is as early in his career as early in his training as he is. Like put, he put been the, out of this. Does he get out of the first round ever, or like second? Uh, he fought. We. I think he's fought. Uh, he lost a decision, I think, or he got subbed. Let me check. Yeah, no, he lost a decision like in his second fight ever. And since then, he's gone to the second. Uh, he went to the second round with Curtis Blades. Like he went to the end of the second round, but the doctor stopped it because Blades was like his eyes were shut. And he went to the second round with Luis Enrique. And this dude, man, for people who just, if you haven't seen Ngannou fight, this is a terrifying, like, emphasizer. He's a big dude, like, <laughs> like a mammoth. He is a big, scary man. He is and, like, 200, he is 5, he's 6'5", 250-something pounds. There is not, like, an ounce of fat on him. He's like he is a, a linebacker. He's a muscle. He's like a linebacker in the NFL that can fight. Yes, basically. Like, like with there's a, instant there's a dude KO who got power. Lost on his way to like football practice, and somehow winded up putting on the gloves. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and like, not only did he KO Arvlovsky, like he caught him with the left that caught him like on like not really like the side of the head, and then he catches him with the right, and the right literally Arvlovsky's body shifted all the way over to the other side and like he launched like he was airborne for like a brief second <laughs> and that's another crazy thing like how many guys scratch the fact that he's a heavyweight who's as, as athletic and like skilled as he is how many guys who literally just started training four years ago we have the wherewithal where he, if he if he's countering somebody not only is he moving his head, he's throwing two, three punches. Because he, after that uppercut he threw, he threw the left hook again. Which he didn't even need. He did, <laughs> he, he, yeah, he missed. Because, uh, you know, Arlovsky was basically already out on the, fly, like, flying right. on his ass. But, um, like, just the poise and the timing and the, like, the, just the natural instinct for striking that Nganu shows is just absolutely absurd. And, and where was Arlovsky in the ranking? Oh God. Where was Arlovsky in the rankings? Was he top 10? He was top se- uh, he's currently 7th. 7th. 
So, yeah, at this point for Nganu, I mean, and then and that's the one thing I do like about the heavyweight division. I love seeing new blood, and I like seeing how fast they can advance to the top because there's not a lot. <laughs> he, he's basically France's version of Junior Los Santos at this point. Right. Man, all right, so Arlovsky was seven. Who who, who, who in the top ten do we see him getting next? Or would we well, like to see next? Let's see. Um, Stipe is probably fighting JDS next. Uh, they were targeting that. Cain Velasquez is nowhere to be found. Um, Alistair Overeem is fighting Mark Hunt. So that leaves Fabrice Overdome and Ben Rothwell. And I'm not sure if Rothwell has a fight. But if not, I'd like to see him fight Rothwell. Because that's somebody yeah. who's going to get him rounds. If, like, Rothwell's And that's not. also a... Yeah. And he's a really just weird <laughs> he's a weird fighter. Weird, awkward dude who Yeah, is... he's gonna throw something at Francis that he's probably never seen before. Yeah. And that that should be a really good test to tell us if he's ready for, you know, your Junior Dos Santos and Alistair Overeems. But it's like if he connects against anybody, they're done. <laughs> he just needs one. I think yep. he's going to be one of those guys. Like, he's he's always going to be one punch away from a title shot. But I do want to see somebody that can test the cardio, test the grappling, see how he does when his fights aren't going his way. Like, Anthony Hamilton's not a good fight, like, a great fighter. He's not, like, he's a decent, solid journeyman heavyweight. But he's been wrestling his whole life. And he's not a weak man. He's a strong-ass dude. Right, he's a big dude too. He's a big, strong man who knows how to wrestle, and and Gano threw him to the ground with a standing Kimura and made him tap. Like that's scary. Dude's <laughs> a freak. There's no other way to put it. I I say I go out on a limb now. I won't say he will win a title. I say within the next two years he's fighting for a belt. Absolutely. He's at least fighting for a belt. If, for no other reason, because everybody else is old. Right. And he's the fresh... He's This is the freshest heavyweight face we've seen in a long, a long time. And he made it to the top ten without taking any ding. So, you know, he's right. he could go for another, like, ten years. Right. And land a total of ten punches, and there'd be ten KOs. Exactly. <laughs> but... Yeah, I guess that's uh that's about all for that fight. Not uh not no, a whole lot we, to talk about. Uh, unless we want to talk about how depressing watching Orlovsky get beat up is, but uh, uh, I prefer not to. You know what though? Before we move on, I'll say this about Orlovsky. As- aside from you know how vicious that KO was, the fact that he even made it back to the UFC and has been successful is crazy enough. Yeah. Like I thought this dude a couple of years ago was like. He was done. Like, it was no... We weren't going to hear from him again. And he's come back, and win or lose, he, he puts on... He's still putting on good fights. He might get knocked out, but he can still knock people out. And him versus Travis Brown is still probably, like, the craziest one-round fight you'll ever watch. Yeah. Well, I figured that... I, I wanted the UFC to bring him back after he beat Tim Sylvia again at, like, Pride... Uh, one, 1FC Pride of, Na- of, of a Nation or something like that. Um, cause, just because I knew, like, UFC's always had trouble with, like, finding heavyweight talent. Like, 
if you know this, like the only guy they really added since like 2011, 2012 with like Stipe. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping Volkov, not Volkov, other guy. I keep saying Volkov. Minikov? Yeah. Hoping. Hoping he makes it over. I don't know what Bellator's like unless Bellator's just like hoping to freeze him out. Like I don't think they really want him back, but I just don't think they want to let him go to the UFC for nothing. You know. I get it. <laughs> that's 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 a talent. Yep. That's but, a great talent. Then again, we're learning that France's heavyweights are better than Russia's heavyweights. So what what do I know? Oh boy. Where well, Cyril yeah. Asker beat up. I want Cyril Asker versus um, Fedor. Just cause. Um. Battle, of the, <laughs> Battle of the Cannonball Heavyweights. I just don't want to talk about Fedor for. I love, love him to death, but. We're going to watch him die oh, in a few weeks. God, oh, yeah, that fight is happening. Jesus Christ. Yeah, we're going to have to but, talk uh, about that, unfortunately. Uh, let's go into happier topics then. Uh, yeah. Pick Diaz submitting Bruce Leroy. Man. Um, all right. I, I always let my biases be known on this show. Uh, integrity purposes. <laughs> I never root against Bruce Leroy. I love watching this dude fight. Ever since the Ultimate Fighter. I was like, this is my guy. And the thing about him... Is just, he has great talent. He's always fun to watch, but you you're always nervous a little bit because you never know. Even in the fights where he starts off looking great, you never know if it's gonna end well. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's kind of what happened in this fight. In the first round, the striking was there. He had great movement. He was getting loose with the strikes. It 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 looked like he was he was gonna win. Like he he was out there having fun just. Doing what Bruce Leroy does. And then there was a small little dark spot at the end of the first round when Knight, I think Knight got his back. He he slammed him, he took him down, but the round was over. But Knight showed that he could get the takedown. Mm -hmm. And then the second round, Knight got the takedown again. I think this this fight really shows that Jason Knight's a really smart guy, or a really smart fighter. Uh, like he had, uh, like he had his troubles, but every trouble he encountered, he had a solution to, and it wasn't just to you know, uh, just be more aggressive. He did, he went about it in a smart way. That and he, it felt like in the second round he just kind of imposed his will. Like when he got that takedown, and he locked in that body lock, it was I knew it was trouble. Yeah, and he did not stop going for the submission. He kept trying to soften him up. He he was relentless with, like he was determined <laughs> to leave that cage with with a win. And yeah, he he softened Bruce Leroy up, and he kept going for the rear naked choke until he just he got it, mm-hmm. and it was kind of nothing else. That was all she wrote. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's now but, one of the guys you gotta pay attention to at featherweight alongside. Right. And I, I don't think he's going to go as far as, like, guys like Mursad Bektik and um, Doha Choi. Just because I don't think he has, like, that raw quality talent. about him. Yeah. Well, well, not just talent. It's just, like, innate, like, I guess innate talent. Where, like, they have that X factor about their games. Right. 
But I like I can see Nate being a top ten featherweight. Right. He'll I think he'll be somebody who Yeah, he might not He's gonna be a tough gate. fight for most every most everybody. Right. He's gonna be a tough right. He's gonna be one of those guys that you're gonna to have to fight him on the way to get to, you know, like the Mortal Kombat bosses. Yeah, <laughs> like he's gonna be one of those guys up there that you gotta to fight to get to the top, and it's not gonna be an easy scrap. And he might send you back down, send you back down the ladder. Yeah, he, he's going to be like a fun version of Darren Elkins. <laughs> Shout out to Darren Elkins. Yeah, Darren Elkins. One of the most winning, winningest UFC featherweights of all time. Just saying. Man is has one, two, wait, where's it? One, two, three, four, wait, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten wins at featherweight. Man. In the UFC. And he's not, is he top ten? He's 12. He's 12. He's 12 because okay, yeah, he is, so he's right under Duhu, right? He's 12 because he's boring. So where is Jason? Okay, Jason Knight. I'm pretty sure Jason Knight will find his way. He's probably like right outside the top 15, I would imagine. Yep. Well, I, I hope they don't knock off Andre Feely because I think his win over Hakron Diaz was a little bit more impressive, to be honest. I think, though, yeah, I can't. Knight's good. I can't see him knocking anybody off of this top 15, but eventually he's going to get there. Yep. Maybe when they remove and, Anthony Pettis. Yeah, who's mysteriously... I, I never understand why the UFC does that when people leave divisions and they, like, keep them... Ronda's so ranked. <laughs> well, at least with her, you know she's not leaving... Well, I guess we can't say that forever, but... You know, she's not leaving Bantamweight. Well, like we know Holly Holm has before. a fight scheduled at 145, and she's still on here, but Misha Tate just retired. Well, like, when was... Uh, um, was it 202, uh, 205? And she's not on here. So, you know, I, I don't get the rating system and how it works. Like, there are some people on here who have been fighting like a year, and they're still ranked. I... I try not to question the UFC rankings. Sometimes the more I look at them, the more confusing I get. But night, I really, I really want to put myself on, on this list of, of rank. Uh, the people get to rank things because I've never heard of any of these people. Like these are like these are not like the people you respect when it comes to um, MMA journalism. Like David Brown out Cherokee Scout. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> They're people from uh, the Alaska. What, what's that <laughs> organization? Script Howard's news <laughs> service, Bob Emanuel. Let's see how Bob Emanuel thinks the UFC is right. Uh, it should is set up right now. Oh man, that was the whole main card too. Yep. I actually, and I want to make a gripe about this. Right, I can't say it's a gripe. Cause I'm I'm gonna watch any fights they throw up, but I personally like the four fight, um, format better. Yes. I feel like my nights end at a reasonable time. Yes. <laughs> For the love of God, no more one a.m. main events. Yeah, I can't. I mean, five five is cool. I think five works for like a pay per view. 
I'd be all right if I'm paying like sixty bucks. Uh, all right, give me an extra fight. I'm yeah. not gonna complain. But yeah, for like the Fox and the FS ones, UFC, can we stop these five, some six? Like stop. <laughs> like they don't start I, to I love out here. Like I, like I get it. You guys are Vegas based. You want to get to your local market and shit. But like, I think they're gonna care if the fights are over by eight o'clock and they get to still go out and party in a few hours. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I love MMA to death, but it is rough trying to. Uh... Bellator is up their fights from like four to five fights on main cards now. Yeah, we gotta we gotta stop. Yeah, but a uh, couple of prelims. Um, do we really care about Alvi and Marquard? I mean, I was looking forward to that fight, but after I, seeing I, it, I, I will say that Sam Alvi called out Jack Marshman, and literally nobody knowing who Jack Marshman is. <laughs> his prime, his prime <laughs> MMA prelims. I forgot about that. Hold on, who? We all right, of, seriously, we had a lot of really good post-fight stuff going down today. Who, who is Jack Marshman? Though I honestly, that, that name when he said that, like I was like, he sounds familiar, a, but I don't. He's a Welsh fighter who just debuted at like um, I want to say Belfast. Let me check real quick. Jack Marshman, he used to fight for K, uh, C, Cage Warriors. That's crazy. Well, I, I guess for Marshman, like, he, that's... he's the main event, like their bad cards. <laughs> like he, like no, he's the guy. He's the guy who lost to Tom Watson back when Tom Watson was like the hot shit UK prospect. Man, King Kong, uh, Kong, Tom Kong Watson. But um, yeah, he knocked out Magnus Seedenblag at the um Paul Musasi card. I guess that's a good look for him though, because considering I mean Albie's not like a superstar, but Google Trends, baby. I bet uh, Jack Marshman's left like at least like five points. Right. People <laughs> trying to figure out who the fuck that is. But yeah, I mean, I'll just give brief thoughts. Alvi won a pretty dull. This, this, yeah, it was it was kind of a dull fight. It, there were spurts, like these little small spurts of violence, and Alvi did good when he managed to throw combinations together, but. That was just kind of few far in between. Not... I think this fight perfectly, perfectly encapsulates Sam Alvey, where he's like this weird opportunist who is by no means like a good athlete and for the most part is not a very technical fighter. Like There are parts of this fight where he was trying to lead and he just looked awkward as fuck. But like he's a very smart dude who stays within himself and knows how to eke out decisions. You know what I mean? All right. And he can still, he doesn't look like it, he, but somehow this man has the power of God in his hands. And he is one of the few guys in this sport who realize that if you want to get fights, you have to get people to speak about you. And right. you do that by hopping on the mic and making a fool of yourself every single time. <laughs> Calling out Jack Marshman. <laughs> Calling out Europe. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's been a stick for like the past year, like just call out any European dude. <laughs> but hey, what whatever gets you fights, uh, whatever feeds the family, hey, really yeah, quick, they do do what you Really quick, do. we had a really good night for like post fight interviews. Is Brian Stan grabbing Francis Ngannou's hand and holding up to the camera and be like, Look how big his fucking hand is. <laughs> 
I missed that. The thing is, I heard it, but I think I think I was kind of depressed after watching Arlovski get launched. So I wasn't looking at the screen, but I yeah, I remember hearing him say that. Uh, Jason uh, like, dropping to a knee and get prayer to his dad, and um, that was awesome. That was and, awesome. and calling out Duho Choi. That that was great. Masvidal's fifty thousand dollars, uh, two hundred thousand dollars challenge, and then you know Zerchenko and Nunes facing off in the ring, and throwing like the most polite barbs at one another. <laughs> solid night. It was solid night. Uh, a Sun Sound versus Sterling. Oh, yeah. I mean, all right. I, this was another fight I was really looking forward to. I, I, I got to give Sun Sal his props. He won the fight, albeit it was close. was not the most eventful fight, but he did what he needed to do to win. For me, it was it was a volume thing. Just a Sun Sal was more active. He threw more. I, I think he threw about the same. But, like, uh, Sterling's kicks were, like, you could tell there wasn't a lot on them. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, he, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to know what the game Wait, plan it, was. I, I, there was little, like, I think he shot, like, twice. And, like, there, and when he shot, there were no re-entries, so, or, I mean, he didn't double up on them, so he would shoot in the middle of their cage, and a sunset would back away, like, a foot, and he wouldn't try to shoot again. He just stand up and go back to kicking. It just—it seems like Algermain, like a lot of talent there. I, I can't it, remember who put, said it on Twitter, but Algermain Sterling is Algermain Sterling is John Jones without like the middle or inside range game. Like all he can do is kick and or, or take you down and beat you from the top. And. I feel like he has the talent to do more, but it's just like, I don't know if he gets gunshot or, because there was, in the third was round, nothing, up, that was the only round he won, like, definitively. Right. And it was weird to watch because there's no, it was, it was like, there was nothing a Sun Sal did that, like, made, that should have made him that gunshot. Like, it's not like, he was gonna get knocked out or anything, or like he got tagged really hard. Well, he, did, he could dig a tag, but they were always on kicks. Like they were right. never like, "Oh, I'm waiting on your jab, and I'm going to throw my right hand over your jab." It was like, "No, I'm waiting on your kicks, and you keep throwing like weird, like uh, you keep throwing body kicks and naked leg kicks. I'm going to freaking just throw this right hand at you." And that's why we connected. <laughs> like at one point, I can't remember. I think it was halfway through the second round. Sterling was one for 20 on punches. So not only had he only thrown 20 punches in the whole fight, he only landed one of them. It was probably like a jab. Yeah, and it was... It just seemed like it, it wasn't... Yeah, the volume just wasn't... It wasn't there, but... I, I hold on to a little, it, little thread of faith, really, I think. The really frustrating thing has to be that Sterling could have won this fight. Could definitely could have. Like, like, definitely straight could've. up, like he, like if not, speak, like not even adding in anymore. Like he could, like the judge could have just been like, "Yes, yeah, Sterling won the fight. Why not?" Right. Like, and he could have won the Caraway fight. Like everybody remembers him. Oh, he faded in the second round, but he didn't fade until the very end of the second round. Like he got his back taken with ninety seconds left in the round. 
the majority of that round, he was out striking and out wrestling, like out wrestling Brian Caraway. But towards the end, he almost got finished, or not finished, but he got you know, dominant control was for the other guy. All right. But I guess he goes a little, little further down the the ladder. Yep. But then I look at a sunsail, and I'm looking at these rankings. And it's not bad for a sunset. He had like what a seven eight fight winning streak and got skipped for a title how many times? Right. And then fights TJ and Yeah, I mean T T J is T J. There's not not a lot you can do. <laughs> and then I wonder who who where 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 does the sunset go? Because you gotta think Who's or Rivera? Um, if if they're gonna do T.J. Dillashaw, Cody Garbrandt, tough, they have to get Cruz a fight. For, and if they're not gonna match up um, Cruz and Rivera, why not match up um, a Sunsau and Cruz? You know what I mean? Re-book. I'm not mad at a Sunsau and Cruz, or I'm gonna throw this out there because I'm really excited that uh, Marias is finally coming over. Is he? Yeah, that's a definite thing. I thought that was that's not. I was I was sure that was definite. If, if it is, that's a great fight. But I, I, I'm pretty sure that was definite. Because I, I know him, him and uh, him and Duke and Wah, hit, If I'm saying his name right, let me make sure. Hop on Twitter real quick. Uh, he's in talks. That's what I'm saying. Ah. I'm assuming he's going to eventually end up here in the USA because I'm, if like the um, the owners of WSO uh, World Series of Fighting recently came out as like in their like some legal document that they were like former promoters and I'm assuming that means WSO has folded. <laughs> who, who, <laughs> who knows? That's shady. Who knows? At least we still have WSO Global. So we can still get our fill of, you know, let's, uh, of ethnicity booking. Pakistan versus um, India. Shoot, blood feud matches. Well, I hope that's definite. I wouldn't mind seeing Sun Sao uh, and Marias. I know maybe people who don't follow the sport maybe as much as we do, but... I, I I believe Marias is legit. Marias is very so, legit. Marias is legit. My, so my if one he comes worry over... is um, like what we talked about with um, what's his name, with Brooks, where we've seen Marias face certain competition, and it hasn't been all that varied or good. So he comes over and not, but he has a talent, but he doesn't have like the sharpness. Right. And he gets you know, I don't want to say exposed, but uh, like he gets depanced a little bit. Yeah, but I wouldn't be mad at a Sunsau and Cruz either. I would probably honestly pick Cruz, but a Sunsau. I mean, aside from this loss, a Sunsau's been—he's due for a big fight. Like he—you're right. He should have had a title shot so long ago. So why not at least, even if Cruz isn't champ, give him a big fight, give him a chance to show up, get notoriety. Yeah, give him a chance to show up. He he! If anybody deserves it, he he definitely does. He he's put in the work. Just unfortunately, hasn't been been given the opportunity. And I guess for Aljamain, it's kind of 
Back to the drawing board, back man. To, yeah, back to the drawing board. I'm looking at the rankings. Yeah, I'm, go and work with Mark Henry. Like, not forget, a bad idea. Just, just let him count. Let him be your like coach, and he'll watch you do 500 punches around or whatever that he does makes Frank Yanker <laughs> do. Right, and count all of them. <laughs> I think he'll be back though. I think he's still a young dude. He'll hopefully figure out what else him. How to, yeah. yeah, how to put everything together, and I think he'll be he'll be back. Um. So next fight after that. Oh, uh, next fight. Uh, the last fight we're gonna want to talk about for this card. Yeah. Uh. All right. I'm gonna let you say his name because I know I'm gonna. Lee Jing Leong. Yeah. Versus Bobby Nash. And I'm very pissed that this fight didn't get fight of the night. Because no fights got really? fight of the night. Really? Yeah, all the main card winners got um, bonus, performance of the night bonuses. Ah, man. That's crazy. Yeah, because this fight was... It's because he's Chinese. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm on to you, Dana. Yeah, yeah this should have gotten... Did they get any award for nope. this? Nope. What? I'm sure they gave like a discretionary bonus or something like that. But yeah, they... like your your backstage extra five, ten grand. Yeah. But but yeah, they, yeah. For... They, they did definitely did not give him. They, they didn't give him any of the big bonuses. Man, yeah, and the, dude, guys, if you haven't seen this fight, just if you just want to watch Rock'em Sock'em Robots, have you haven't seen just... Li Jing Liang fight? Go uh, go sign up for like your free month of Fight Pass and just go watch all his fights. Because <laughs> they're all, except for the Mashad, uh, the Dave Mashad fight, because they're all just fucking bad shit crazy. And that's all this fight was, just straight insanity. It, it, we're it, gonna come in and we're just gonna throw hands and let's see who, who gets knocked out first. Basically, and and they both got dropped. Like there a is couple a, of times. like there's a sharpness to Jingleon's game where like you can tell he's a decent, uh, he's a very fundamentally okay boxer. But there's also a part of his game where he just gets tagged every single time. I feel like with him, his fundamentals are decent, but I feel like when he gets tagged and the blood comes out, that he just all hell, he kicks into that. Yeah, he kicks sucks. into that other mode, and it's like you know what? I don't care about my training anymore. It's just go time. I'm just say, I'm <laughs> just saying this, but um, he's currently what five uh four and two in the UFC. He should be five and one. He beat Nordin Taleb. He got robbed. Very angry about that. How has he never won what a the... bonus? Everyone yeah, and like all of fire. his fights. Yeah, all of his fights are just like... They're just insanity. In the best kind of way. And I have hope, I thought... I have hope for him being a top 15 guy. If only because he didn't really start trading striking. Well, I shouldn't say that. It, up until he got to the UFC, he was primarily a wrestler. Like when he was beating dudes, there's a reason he's called the leech. Like when he was beating dudes in China, he was just basically grapple fucking them. Wow, <laughs> it was it was zero grappling. <laughs> hey, the hands have come away. A long way. Yeah, hands have come a long way. Like he he's got power. He but well. Yeah, that that the whole fight was just them exchanging hands. Is Bobby Nash was that a debut? Yep. Cheers to him. First fight. I mean, I think of course you always want to get. Too. 
Yeah, and for that to be your first fight, he didn't look. I didn't see any octagon jitters. I just saw a dude who was trying to go out there and he was trying to get it. Exactly. And you know, came up short, but that's still a great performance. That your first fight, you basically put on one of the best fights on the card of you and another guy just throwing hands and blood and just fan fan friendly, <laughs> pretty much. Just great fan friendly fight. Yeah, I, I wish. I wish Lee was higher up in the rankings. I'm pretty sure his next fight will probably be just as crazy as this one, though. Dude, Lin Jin Lee, uh, well, Timmy's just got booked again for the Cowboy rematch. The the, uh, the um, Brazilian Cowboy. But oh, yeah. one day, I'm going to get my dream fight. Lin Jin Leong, Timmy's. <laughs> and it's going to be as crazy as in real life as it is in my head. It might happen. You never know. How old is Lee? Twenty-eight. Yeah, but the way he fights, man, he knocks off years every. <laughs> well, the way he fights, man. Oh uh, man, he, he knocks off a couple of years every fight, but it's worth it. Their entertainment value is is is, is worth it. Apparently, he did get a bonus. Dana said he got Bobby Nash and him got um. An unofficial fight of the night bonus. That's good. I'm I'm glad to hear that. Same. A lot of the people on the the prelims, because they're not big names, get looked over. But the fights are just as any entertaining. And they are literally the people who probably need it most. Right. Like these are the guys who probably in between fights probably should have a nine to five. Yeah. But they, you know, hoping they probably got, like, families that support them or whatever. Shouts to Michael yeah. McDonald, who's working a full-time job right now, despite being a former UFC title challenger. Because he doesn't that want to go wild. back into debt to be a fighter. That is wild, man. And that dude is, like, crazy talented. Uh, I think Mayday's problem was um, that he never got away from, like, training with his dad and his brother. They've been his coach. Like his dad's been his coach since he was like fourteen or something. That's crazy to have a full time job and still. He is a carpenter. I think he's a carpenter anyway. I know he loves talking about it. Props to him. That's I couldn't do it. No, (laughs) would not do it. But yeah, I guess that's uh. But off for the UFC card, so it was it was a solid card overall. Yep. Uh, knockouts, submissions, uh, new new faces to look out for. Um, and then we got more fights even coming up this weekend. Um, so what should we jump into? Uh, uh let's. Should we go Fram- Frampton or Glory? Uh, let's go to the Glory card real quick, because right, right. we're only gonna talk about one fight from there anyway. Yeah. So, uh, Robin. Von Roos smiling, I always get tongue-tied, and Matt Embry. So, uh, we mentioned Matt Embry, the last podcast. This guy just kind of came out of nowhere and just started lighting people up. And he set himself up for a fight uh, for the uh, featherweight title. And... Came up short. It's hard. Yeah, he came up short, but it was an admirable performance. Indeed. He he looked he looked good in the first how many I can't remember how many rounds four it I went mean, four rounds 
Yeah, the first the first two rounds he looked really. He good. He was in the fight. He, I, 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 yeah. I don't think he won either round, but he was in the fight. He was moving. Yeah, he was he had his legs. He, like he was pumping out jab. He was pumping out um, punches. Yeah, he showed that even though he lost, he's gonna be a top guy eventually if he's not for glory already. Yeah, like for, like he's. He's up there to to lose losing to Robin. That's that's nothing to be. This is a fight ashamed that will of. Get him fights that um Simon Marcus gets in like China, basically. Right. He, uh, right. Like this open that uh, open the, winning the tournament and get and putting on a decent performance against Van Rusman will open some doors for him. Yeah. That's a good thing. Like he and he's got he's got great hands. He's got power. I love his head movement, but man. Ross Moulin, Ross Moulin, man, he's a, he's a beast, especially at 45. Like, this dude's a tank. Like, I, like there's <laughs> nobody in the glory featherweight division I think that could be him. Yeah, I don't, unless Embry goes into a hyperbolic time chamber and, <laughs> and trains for a while, yeah, I don't see anybody beating this dude, man. Like, he, he's big for the weight class. He's strong. He throws just vicious combinations. And when he decides to turn it on, which is kind of what happened in this fight, and it was funny because I think even when they were um, during the announcement, they were like, uh, Robin said in, I guess the pre-fight that he was gonna basically use the first like round or so to just kind of feel him out, yeah. and then he was gonna turn it up, and he was like, once I turn it up, I know it's gonna be over, yep. and that's kind of what happened. It should be noted that he didn't make weight. Like he was like, I think, point eighth of a pound off. So he's no longer the glory featherweight champion. But his next fight's going to be for a title. So, you know. It's... Wow. Oh, so in glory, they strip you? Yep. Well, they strip oh, you in every sport. Not... Like they strip you in boxing. They strip you in... um, Because that's, that's what happened with um, Vasily Lomachenko versus uh, Orlando Salido. Salido came in like... 14 pounds overweight or something and they just stripped him. Oh, yeah, if you're 14, you deserve it. At that <laughs> if you're 14, it doesn't seem like I, you try. I, I don't remember the exact amount, but it was like, it was like substantial. I think it was more than a weight class. Like, I did not try to make weight for this fight type deal. Right. Man. But, I mean, alright, if they stripped him, I'm I'm still gonna call him champ. I mean, to be honest, who's all right? I guess crazier things have happened, uh, but yeah. Times like this, I kind of wish that all the um, featherweights fought under one banner, so we could get those like big fights, like um, Kai Fairtex, the Kai Fairtex fight, the um, right. The, is he the Kubo? Yeah, Kubo. All those dudes just get those fights. All those K1 guys. Because that could be so much fun. Hopefully. I wonder if they would ever cross-promote. I doubt it. Like, I can't remember. Uh, I think Glory, once upon a time, they bought the, um, the library for uh, K1 Glo- um, Global? Yeah. or Yeah, K1 Global. And the new K1 owners do a fit. They, they went to court. I don't remember how it like, played out. I'm assuming that Glory got him because I think all the K1 fights are on like UFC Fight Pass. Hmm. Nah, it, maybe one day. Yeah, if anything, I hope that the fight happens like China or something. 
Like, don't, like, eventually China throws a featherweight tournament, and they're both in it, and they both, like, meet in the finals or something. I just hope it comes on at a reasonable time that I can watch but, and not... Kunlun <laughs> not... fights normally happen, like, in the middle of the day. Like, okay, I think. Right. Don't quote me on that. Alright. But, yeah, I guess, uh... Well, alright, I wonder then who... Cause I don't think you do a Varga rematch for uh, for Robin. Like who? I, who, who, who... I, I, I honest to God don't know anybody in the division who is like 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 in line for a title right now. Yeah, cause the Varga fight wasn't uh. I think that was close enough to warrant a rematch. Like if I'm Varga's coach, I'm like, there's no way in hell I'm putting him back in there with that guy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, and yeah, for people, man, if you're listening and you, I said this last podcast, if you complain about the ground game in MMA, you just want to see striking. You need to watch Glory mm-hmm. and and Robin uh, von Roos. I could keep butchering this dude's name. <laughs> Robin von Roos Marlin. He's one of the reasons why. I like this striking is just technically just super proficient, super violent. Yeah, just super violent. Like, he hits dudes, and it, like, you feel it through the screen. Like, <laughs> it it feels like he's just punishing people. He's, yeah. Well, I think they're just, probably going to run another tournament. They're going to have, like, um, wait, did they, was Giga, was Giga part of a tournament today? I'm sorry. Like, did we just completely miss a tournament? No, it was something else. Uh, yeah, Giga, Chica, did, Chica, I can't. I can't pronounce any of these European dudes' names. I'm sorry. Mosa Baran. Oh, he was on this card, wasn't he? Yeah, he knocked out Giga. some dude yeah. in, like, the first round. Yeah. Um, who else? Who else? They're probably going to put Varga, Adamchuk, and Amrani and Giga in a tournament. And probably Embry. Oh, freaking Senchai. Sen- I forgot completely that he's technically in um, Gori. Because he normally just goes wherever and does whatever the fuck he wants. It's a fucking boss, but they could always do that fight. That'd be huge. Yeah, don't throw him in a tournament. If you're gonna do science charges, just, just match him straight. Yeah, just throw. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't do a tournament. Don't don't miss out on the opportunity. Just throw him in there. Cause that's guaranteed a fun fight. Yeah. Um, should be worth. No- uh, I didn't get to see the wilderness. Um, the wilderness. God, who did he fight? Oh, the wilderness! I just, oh God, freaking, I suck at names. In case you, in case you all didn't know that, uh, Israel, uh, Israel Adesanya. I didn't get to see that fight because it was on at like three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Because fuck these close fans, right? <laughs> right. Play it on ESPN three also, and then on top of that, put it at like three in the morning. So, but, but I didn't get to see that fight or the welterweight tournament or apparently the competitive fight between Gudo Innocente and D'Angelo Marshall. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, yeah, I just caught the super fight series. I think all these like these. I forgot that there was even the ESPN three card. And I, I missed everything in that yeah. one. But yeah. I'm pretty sure this card was. I've never watched a Goy card and been disappointed, so I'm just going to go out on a limb and say this card was probably pretty good. I've only been disappointed when they put American Fighters on the card because they tend to suck. <laughs> Except for Jacoby. 
Jacoby got the job done. <laughs> uh, Dustin Jacoby. <laughs> Dustin Jacoby. A success story for the ages. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we want uh, we want to talk about um. Oh crap! I have the wrong boxing card open. Uh, are y'all gonna say, did we do Frampton, or do you want to talk about a uh, good old Tito and Son? And... Uh, let's talk the Frampton card real quick, cause there's something on the undercard I wanted to talk about first. I'm not, right, I'll let you. Do I'm that not sure if you I'm saw just... it, but um, did you see Mikey Garcia completely flatlined uh, Dijon's? Oh, the uppercut. Yes, the uppercut. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't watch the fight, but I did see. I saw the uppercut. I saw the replay of that. That was vicious. So, for anybody <laughs> who doesn't know, Mikey Garcia was once upon a time um, considered like a rising pound for pound talent up until uh, 2014. Uh, then he got in some legal issues as promoter. He didn't want to be tied down to one promotion. Blah, blah, blah. Two years later, he comes back. He fights Elio Rojas. He knocks him out in, like, the fourth round, but it's a fight where I scored it 2-1 to one for Rojas leading up to the knockout. So he comes back, and this is, like, his first real comeback fight against Latichinen. Uh, yeah, Latichinen. And um, <clears throat> he goes out there. He looked great from start to end. Just three rounds, solid work, beats him up just batters him with the jab um, and just ends the fight with one of the most beautiful finishing sequences that will probably happen this year where he par- he parries with the right hand, turns it into an uppercut, bridges with the left hook, turns Slachinen all the way around, and then as Slachinen turns back, he just knocks him out with like a right hook. It's gorgeous. I don't know. When I saw the replay, I was like, this... This early contender for KO of the year. Yeah. Did you see um <laughs> did you see um the Lomachenko uh Lomachenko who did he knock out? Roman Martinez? You're, I don't believe so. Oh god, that was one of the most be- that was um another uppercut knockout. Well uppercut into a um a left hand and it was probably my favorite knockout of twenty sixteen. For boxing, it was just gorgeous, and that's what this reminded me of. And hopefully, one day we'll get Mikey Garcia versus Vasily Lomachenko. I gotta rewatch that fight now. I felt like I, that undercard I probably should have watched. I can't remember what I was doing while it was on. But... That, oh, that was the only fight that I think they aired uh, on, oh, okay. on the Showtime. The... But they had like the Showtime Extreme card. Which was supposed to have Lee Selby on it, but Lee Selby's opponent didn't make weight or something, and they canceled that fight. But the guy to watch on the pre- if you go back and you want to watch the undercard, go watch the David Benavides fight. David Benavides, possibly the best um, super middleweight prospect out there. Pro- possibly the be- uh, uh, his brother's Joseph Martinez, uh, Joseph Benavides, like the huge, like the guy who got famous for like having a really good sparring session with Manny Pacquiao a few years ago. When he was like 20. Mm. I think he won a title by now, but um, yeah, David Benavides is the real deal. Like he, he is a skilled motherfucker. Yeah. And he's only 20. I get jealous of dudes like, how are you 20 and you're that? Good? Like, what was I doing in high school? Uh, well, just take that, it that they that... didn't have a childhood at all. They lived in the gym. That is true, but. 
I feel like their upside is. <laughs> they get to have a childhood as adults when they're making like a million dollars. Right. <laughs> and I think I might have that train passed me already. I don't, I don't think that's that's in my cards to play. But uh, yeah, this uh, Santa Cruz, Cruz fight. Yeah, was this was a um, really solid fight. Really fun fight. It was awesome. Yeah, I I watched this. I, unfortunately, I'm not as a knowledgeable uh, boxing fan as I am in other combat sports, but I, I've I've heard the praises of the first fight, so I wanted to give this a watch, and I liked it, man. Like Cruz was. It seemed to me the rounds were really close. Like, I, I can't say that, like, Cruz demolished him. Yeah. The rounds were all really close. Cruz outworked but it's, him. Yeah, it know. seemed like Cruz was busier. It seemed like he landed kind of the cleaner shots, especially when there would be times where when they would have, like, these kind of little wild exchanges. Yeah. I felt like Cruz got the better of most of those. Um, you remember, uh, I doubt you remember. Um, do you remember when we were talking about Megan Anderson versus, um, what's freaking, what's her name? Uh, Charmaine Tweet? Tweet? Yeah, Tweet. Yeah. And I was talking about how there were, like, there were these awkward, uh, and, and when you're striking with somebody, there's this awkward time where you're in distance and like certain strikers will pick up on that and they'll throw punches to fill the space and right. that's what Megan Anderson did that's how she was like landing like five six punch combos on her right that's what Salida Santa Cruz does like and they, a lot of them come off as like arm punches but like he's putting like clean shots on guys because he'll put just so much out there that they can't process it He's like, he's he's a, at least from what I saw, he's clean too. Yeah. With it. Like, technique is really clean. Yeah, he is a very fun fighter to watch. It looked like Frampton. I don't know. I don't know what their like reach and stuff was. It seemed like Frampton kept trying to get in close, mm-hmm. but it was he was always like playing the outside and then when he did get in close they would have those little exchanges but Cruz just seemed to be just one step ahead just a little bit yeah. just enough to land first or, or just when they close it out with a big punch that looks that, right or he, a punch right. that looks big right like he was ending the exchanges knowing that knowing that he got the better of the the two and it, it kind of felt like Frampton never had like a big he didn't have that moment that kind of could have helped him turn the fight around like it seemed like he was always he was one step behind but he was always playing catch up yeah well Boxstrike has Frampton list has like a 62 inch reach and um, Leo Santa Cruz has like a 7 inch reach advantage on him hmm but if my memory of the first fight's right, it was basically um, Frampton played at that, that mid-range just, like, at the end of it for his punches and was just basically, like, outworking Santa Cruz and outlanding him and everything like that. But Santa Cruz did a great job just turning the game plan around. Like, just really... Yeah, because um, it looked like... Because I remember... Well, I didn't watch the first fight, obviously, but he got... 
then in the first fight it looked like he got tagged a few times. Yeah. Like some hard tags. And in this fight he I mean he ate some shots yeah. but nothing that was like, oh, he's he's down for the count or like he, he I don't even think he ever got buckled this fight. Uh, I think they mentioned it during the fight, but one of the things Santa Cruz did was um he's like he roared he it seems like he was luring um, Frampton towards the ropes. And like he was giving Frampton that false sense of, oh, he's by the ropes. I'm going to, you know, get my offense off because I want to be right. closer to him. Because, but as he was coming in, it was Cruz will uncork like a four or five punch combination, and he ended up getting the better of it because he's the one throwing punches. He's the one initiating it. And that just. Yeah, that was like the story of the fight. Yeah. Like that was literally like all twelve rounds. Just Frampton just couldn't couldn't get the big moment off. Yeah, it seemed like. And I'm yeah, you know what? I'm happy Carl um, Leo Santa Cruz won because that means they're going to do a, like a trilogy match. Yeah, that's actually going to be my next question. I was like, uh, I guess and, there's no other way to do but a trilogy. And you know, boxing needs that right now. Like it needs those big rivalries. It needs it needs competitive matches between top talent. And these two are the best at um. God, I always forget. I always screw up on these boxing divisions that featherweight uh, featherweight have to offer. You know. Who? How long was the gap between this fight and the first? One? Um, the first one was in July. And they have neither one has fought since. So we might get. So if they do do another rematch, it might be in July, or they might take a fight in between. Like maybe Carl Frampton decides he wants to go beat up Lee Selby, or something. <laughs> a little tune up. Well, no, not even a little tune up. It's just that that's a big money fight in like um Belf um not Belfast, North Ireland. You. Hmm. Yeah. I was say it seems like between the first fight and this fight. Cruz must have put in that film yeah. work. <laughs> uh, and you know, Cruz was a guy for like the longest time up until like the Mares fight, where like people were questioning his competition, uh, questioning like his work ethic. Like I, can't, I think it was um, it was either Ruiz or the Cayetano, the Cayetano fight, where like people were just like, "Oh my God, this is just dull." Because Here's this guy who's basically um, arm punching his way to victory over guys who have no business fighting with him. You know what I mean? Mm. But you know, he's picked it up in the last couple of years. Like Martinez is not a Kiko Martinez at this point isn't you know a huge win, but it's a solid win to knock him out. Mares was a solid win. The two Frampton fights, like he's really picked it up. You know, you gotta respect that. If he's not gonna fight uh, Guillermo Rigondeaux. I wish I almost wish I would have watched the rest of this card now. Or that other uh, uh, Just to quickly yeah. just to quickly shout it out since you brought it up if you're watching this and you didn't get to go watch um, Francisco Vargas versus Miguel uh, Berchelt or Takeshi Miura versus Miguel Roman go do yourself a favor and go watch those fights because they were fu- they were fucking tremendous and, I feel like I'm and we I feel like I, I was gonna say I feel like I wanted to do a shout out, but I'm I can't remember. All right, whoever I had a shout out, to, shout out to you, whatever. <laughs> right, <laughs> I feel like there was. Oh, real quick, yeah, Paul Daly, Brennan oh, yeah. Ward, flying, flying knee, Jesus Christ. Because we weren't here, yeah, we weren't here last week. Um, Paul yeah, Daly, I forgot about. 
did everything you're supposed to do when you're given when you are on a ten pole card. He went out there, he knocked him the he knocked the other motherfucker out with like the highlight reel tail of the year. Then he gets on the mic and calls out his next opponent and it's a name people know who Right. Like you're, you know, a UFC fan who only watches UFC and you only tuned in to watch Teal Ortiz and Chael Sonnen, you know, you, 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 you recognize the name Roy McDonald and you're like, oh, Roy McDonald's in the uh, Bellator now? And he, this guy who just right. need this crazy dude uh, called him out. I want to watch that. So there we go. Paul Daly built his own freaking storyline. That's what you're supposed to do when you get your mic time. And that right. big a stage, so props to him. Yeah, you can't draw up a night better than that. Nope. That knee was gorgeous. Just... Yeah, if you haven't seen that knee, go go. I'm that's I'm pretty sure that's on YouTube somewhere. Mm-hmm. Go go watch that. Uh, now the question is, <laughs> do we think Paul Daly beats Roy McDonald? I'd have to see Roy McDonald back first. You know what? I don't know because. I, I have no doubt that up until Paul Daly won the fight, Roy McDonald would be winning the fight. You know what I mean? Like, if Daly wins, he's not going to outbox Roy McDonald for three rounds. He's going to knock him out at one moment in the fight. Right. But um, until I see him with his nose on right and, you know, his confidence <laughs> back, and he's not, you know, rolling for – he's not doing Imanari rolls like every 15 minutes – I can't put my faith in uh, McDonald like that. There's no doubt. There's no Definitely. doubt in my mind he's more skilled than the two, though. Right. I would say probably more skilled and probably, I would say probably definitely more well-rounded. But when you got the KO power like Daly and apparently you got knee power, that, it only takes one. Yep. It, it only takes one. Do, do we do we have to talk about CRTs and Chelsea and, and Meryl Streep no showing? Uh, oh, she no showed. I didn't, they had a I didn't know and that. everything. Oh man, I didn't know that. It was the day of the women's march, though, so you know. She, she was you know busy. what? I'm glad she didn't show because that, that we, card, she didn't want to watch it. She didn't need to see that main event. She didn't need to see this card. Like besides the right. daily war fight, and I like the Anderson. Campos fight, but there was nothing really much to say. Oh yeah, shout out to them two oh, too. That was out. one of the fights that I saw that lived up to what I hoped it yep. would be. And shout out to Emmanuel Sanchez who won a dull but substantive one. <laughs> it dull, it wasn't bad. It was dull, but it was a bad. But he won the biggest fight of his career. He beat a guy who many considered like the best featherweight not in the UFC or Bellator for like a very long time. And so, shouts to him. He wants to be uh, the MMA's version of Oscar De La Hoya. He's got a long way to go, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, Big shoes to fill. (laughs) He's missing the gold medal and, like, all the women fans, but. Right. I guess you you got time to work on that. Yeah. And uh, Uh. I guess shouts to Cheeto for riding off into that sunset by submitting Chelsea and yeah, um, I didn't real, I didn't realize the size difference until. Yep. So, I ha- so I have a flashlight here that has a little magnet on it that I didn't realize. I held up to my computer on accident and um, it kind of 
shut down my computer. <laughs> wow. Hold up, is it still like... Because I feel like magnets really mess things up. So I hope yeah. your computer isn't fried. Uh, no, it seems fine. Even if not, it's a piece of crap. I need a better one. All right. Like, I got this after my last computer, like, junked out on me. Alright, well... Yeah, I just need to replace it. Were there um, any, uh... Other fights? Any... I don't even know what time we're at right now. Because my time is not accurate, because we... We started off, like, with a half hour of, like, just us talking. Right. So, I'm gonna assume... Alright, we were close to, like, an hour and so We're over an hour. I know we're over an hour. I think, I think we're, like, we're near two hours, at the very least. Jesus Christ. Alright, yeah. so... If you want to just close it out, let's just close it out with, um, I guess, UFC Fight Night Zombie Bermudas real quick. You just, yeah. like, just hype up the fights we actually like. Yeah, so this uh will probably be sloppily edited. <laughs> actually, you know what? And I mentioned this when you had to go away earlier, uh, when somebody, uh, when you're at your door or whatever. Yeah, I'm just, this podcast is going to be so real, I might just not even edit it. Like, it's just going to go straight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be... experience, and this is how you're going to Right, it. right. This is real life, real time. Uh, we're not professionals. Right, we're not. We, we don't get paid for this. We promised professionalism. We did not. We try to deliver, but hey, sometimes life happens. But yeah, at least uh, next week... Ah, why can I... My internet's failing me, but... Yeah, this weekend, um, Korean Zombie uh, finally returns after uh, serving his uh, military duties, and we get to see him Probably fight. Longest right, he was gone for how long? It seems like two years. It's every in... South Korean uh, Korean War. Uh, technically, Korea, both Koreas are still at war. Every South Korean has to serve at least two years in the military. Every male before they turn like thirty. Uh, zombie got away with it because he was like a student or something or some bullshit they made up. Well, I'm glad he's back. He was definitely a fan favorite before he uh when he went he off. Most, when Zombie left, he was the most exciting fighter in the USA. I am not. I, I will just say that straight out, and I am extremely happy he's back. And though Bermuda's is a tough fight, I think it's a fight that if he has lost enough steps, is he should still win, especially in the five fight or five rounds, because Bermuda's is going to give him opportunities to like get knocked out and choked out and everything yeah. like that. It's a good fight though. It's a good yeah. return matchup. Bermuda's is also a, a awesome fighter. No reason why this. Shouldn't be. This shouldn't be boring. There's, there's no way this fight can be boring. Basically, now that we say that, it's going to be like five rounds of them just staring at each other. <laughs> right. <laughs> A whole filling out process of the entire fight. But also on the card, Alexa Grasso for uh, takes her sophomore UFC it's, uh, outing against Felix Herrig. Felix Herrig. There we go. Awesome. Um, I love, I love Grasso. Grasso should, in theory, just like. Boxer Bully, Box, yeah, boxer size. Felice Herrick to death, mm. and I will enjoy that because uh, Alex, uh, Alexa Grasso is awesome, and maybe in a year or two she's going to be the person who I think knocks off Yuani and Jacek. 
I hope. Well, I ain't gonna say I hope, but yeah, I hope she makes it to that height though. Like, I did yeah, too. Ever since Invicta, I've I've been hoping she got that call from Dana, and I'm I'm glad it finally happened. And speak. I'm partially hoping for Grasso to do this because I think her being a big, um, her being from a boxing family in Mexico will inspire other Mexican boxers who are just kind of like just sitting around and have nothing to do who to just take up MMA. All right. Go in and box people to death like she does. And, yep. uh, I guess one more fight to give a shout out to, or well, I'm going to say two more. Uh, Angela Hill, Jessica um, Andrade. This Tremendous is, fight. This is going to be awesome. I'm so glad Angela Hill is back in the UFC. Uh, it sucks that she can't seem to get like, an opponent. I want to say on her level, but that isn't a top five opponent. Yeah, because I was looking at that when she got, before she got cut from her first stint. Like, she didn't get any easy outings. Like, like even in tough, like, her first opponent was Carla Esparza. Right. And, Which... <laughs> and she had only been doing MMA for a year. Yeah, that's insane. And your first fight is against, like, <laughs> you're fighting, like, the top person already. Yeah, you're, you're fighting the Invicta FC strawweight champion, right. and it's your second it's your second fight in MMA, period. And fighting Andrade, man, this, this, she's been a killer in her last few fights. Andrade at... Andrade at one fifteen is John Lineker at one thirty five for men's bantamweight. Right, <laughs> like this straight savagery. So yeah, that fight's gonna be awesome. And I gotta shout out the uh, the homie Curtis Blades because he has the coolest name. Yeah, uh, that's a uh, that's a that's a good and bad heavyweight matchup because Adam Milstead and Curtis Blades are two dudes who will be around like five years from now. Like I'm I'm sold on them being like talents I'm uh, maybe not contenders but ta- oh, Blades is going to be a t- uh, contender I think but like there's no reason these two should be fighting each other in their like third second or third UFC fights yeah I don't like when they throw the prospects derailing each other's careers but it should be a fun fight though yeah should be a fun fight um, and we'll Adam Milstead will be back to work on Monday le- for doing a 12 hour shift laying like railroad tracks whatever the <laughs> hell he does oh I guess I'll shout out Beck Rollins and Tisha Torres too I'm, I'm semi interested yeah. in that and I am interested in uh, Ricardo Ramos versus Michinori Tanaka which should be just insane if you like grappling and you like uh, scrambling and you like just two guys who don't just give a damn about anything that's the fight for you they are reckless. Yeah, this fight, I'll say overall, like, it's not great in terms of star power, but definitely if a you lot like, of... If, uh, if, I, don't know, I don't know if this is Mick Maynard and Sean Shelby or whatever it's been, but since Mick Maynard took over, I know there's like been a little bit of flack because I, a lot of people are blaming him for um, uh, card cancellations because they, they just can't get the people to, like agree the fights I guess I'm not sure how much of that is true and how much of that is his fault but the fights that he and Shelby are putting together they are I want to say 50-50 like how many of these fights is there a clear cut winner they are booking solid yeah and I like too that I feel like a lot of like we're seeing a lot of prospects too 
a lot of the yeah. a lot of the fresh blood is starting to to get more shine and not to derail a whole nother conversation i always kind of felt like that should have been the model like when you do your fight nights and your fs1s let the the little guys so to speak let that be their time to i mean throw a big star in there of course main event co-main because you, you got to get you want to get views but yeah. let that be their time to to show what they can do and then save the big save your connors and your your you know save everybody else for the pay-per-views when you need people to actually spend money well, I, th- I think they try to do that but i think a part of them realizes that hey if we give them um i don't know uh, let's like what's a good uh, fs1 headliner um Let's go with Machida versus. Uh, no, Machida. Both of those fights were on Fox, I think. Let's go with Bermuda's Chan Sung Jung. Like Chan Sung Jung versus Dennis Bermuda's. That's the fight that probably won't um, won't grab a lot of eyeballs, but it might add like ten to twenty thousand buys on a pay per view right. if you're on the fence about it. Like, if you're a hardcore and you're like, oh, I don't like home versus Deron to me. Like, I'm, well, let's throw on Chanson Jung versus Dennis Bermuda's. Like, and maybe that bumps, like, we don't pay either one of those guys an enormous amount of money. It's a really good fight. That maybe we know will draw blood. <laughs> that, yeah, like, people, like, it's not going to get, hard, uh, it's not going to get, um, your casual fan base uh, very happy, but you're, hardcores who maybe don't buy every pay-per-view maybe they buy at that time like there are levels to this even be like, in the uh, appealing to your fans even well, yeah, you know what i mean like uh cowboy apparently is like a draw on like fs1 but he's not a draw on fox or pay-per-view that's crazy yeah, like, I don't see yeah, how these. Yeah. How does that dynamic work? I don't see how he's well, not a because, draw period. Because, uh, because hardcores will tune in to see Cowboy Cerrone on FS1, but casuals will tune in to uh, Fox anyway, regardless. You know what I mean? So uh, and so, if you have Cowboy in your co-main event of or your main event of FS1 card, and uh, FS1 averages on average like eight hundred thousand, maybe like a million people tune in to see Cowboy fight. But you put them on um, Fox, where you're gonna have a bunch of other big names, or you're gonna have at least one other big fight that's gonna draw headliners, like say Michelle Watterson versus Paige Van Zant, right. and you throw Cowboy Masvidal in the co-main event. Is that really gonna add anything to that card? That's substantive, because that because Paige Van Zant's like the star, right? Yeah. So, so it, it makes sense in that way. Yeah. But um. Yeah, no, I, the one thing I loved about like, over the past year, year and a half, uh, year or two years, is that featherweights and uh, bantamweights have been getting the opportunity to headline cards, and that just makes them so much more interesting than having Corey Anderson versus um, Jimmy Manua. Yeah. <laughs> and, and don't get me wrong, I, I, I like Jimmy Manua, and I think Corey Anderson still has some talent. I, I, I don't think he's realizing it. I think he's a slow burn as a prospect, but... Is, is that better than Chan Sung Jung versus Korean Zombie? Not at all. Is that better than um, 
Cody Garbrandt versus Thomas Almeida, despite the and fact that this... top ten fight, uh, the top ten fight to their name. And I'll make this like my final shot. Let that be like a burn. Uh, all the people who used to say like, "Oh, the little guys aren't exciting and they don't, they don't do yeah, this six. and they don't got." You guys are all like, "Yeah, seriously, just, fuck you guys." You're right. Just stop. Like, just stop. You, you obviously <laughs> didn't watch WEC, so screw you. Right. And that was. And I'm not even joking. I swear, WC is like my favorite promotion of all time. Same here. Not, and I love the UFC. I love, you know, Strike Force. WEC was just so awesome from top to bottom. It were never boring fights, and it was all because of the little guys. So the, the little guys are taking over, man. Get with it, because listen, that's where all the talent is. Man. That's yeah, that's where everything is. The heavyweights, God bless them. That's not where it's at anymore. That's not. It, it, it was never where it's at in the UFC. <laughs> like, like, there's a reason 205 was the glamour division in the UFC. Right. It's, it's the little guy's time now, man. The, 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 the 125 and up to about up to 155. That's that's where all the. When you want to see the best, really fight the best. It's between those weeks. That's where you see. The best and, talent at. I, I throw 170 in there. Just because I think it's on a downswing right now, but I think it'll pick right back up as soon as yeah. um, some guys start getting some wins. Moral of the story, the little guys are taking over, so you got you to deal with it. They're, they're yeah, that's where all the talent is. That, that's definitely where all the talent is. But uh, Just the women's 115. Right, on the come up. I've um, gotten a lot, you know. It, I, at this point, it's stronger than women's bantamweight ever was. Not even close. Definitely a lot deeper. Uh, I feel like they don't get the promo, but the talent, the talent's there. Talent's J- there. I, I will say this, Yolanda and JTech is made for, like, Fox, and I'm surprised they've, they're waiting so long to put her there. Because if you put her in with a striker, she'll go five rounds, or, you know, at the very least four, because she's not, uh, she's not the killer we all thought she was in terms of power. But she'll put on an entertaining fight, You'll get your, you know, thirty minutes of programming at the end of the card where it carries the ratings up a little bit. Right. And um, she'll deliver a promo at the end that will have people being like, "Oh, I'll remember her because she said, you know, I'm a champ. No one's going to take this belt from me." She, she's the kid. Imagine if that Koya Gadelia fight was on Fox. Oh, that just reminded me. I never watched the rematch. MMA really? Confessions. Yes, I just clicked. Oh my God, go watch it. It's yeah, top I never, five I never watched the rematch. I, re- I forgot what happened with that card. I don't know if I was at work. I did not see that rematch, though. Uh, it was on Friday night, so. Okay. All right, that's going to be my uh, my MMA homework for the week. I got to go back and watch that. It but, is uh, a tremendous fight. I've heard, which is why I'm disappointed in myself. But uh, God knows what time we're coming up on. Uh, uh, five hours. <laughs> five hours in thirty minutes. Uh, they're gonna be a, <laughs> they're gonna be a lot of things that should have been edited out in this podcast that I am not gonna edit out. I'm, I'm gonna to the door. Yeah, I'm gonna try to, but I'm gonna try to splice it together to make it not so awkward, but. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm not gonna make any promises. Like I said, leaving the part where I fucked up my computer with a magnet. <laughs> oh yeah, that's standing there. <laughs> the, the magnet standing, everything standing. Uh, but yeah, we covered a lot this week, and then we will be right back next week because uh, this Korean Zombie card that is this weekend on the fourth. Um, so we'll probably review that next week, and, and we'll we might see. talk about UFC. Was it two oh eight? Yeah, two oh eight. Where Holly Holmes going to fight some Dutch girl? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. Which so ironically is the I think is like the matchup between like the two most credentialed strikers in the history of the sport. Go figure. Go figure. <laughs> Yeah, oh, really besides are. home versus Shevchenko. Still, though. Can Holly Holm beat kickboxers? That's the question. We'll, we'll see. That's an interesting well, fight. And I I want to say, without foreshadowing, like I feel like Holm should win, but I, I don't feel 100% safe betting that. You see, that's me in every Holly Holm fight. Yeah. Even going back to when she's a boxer. Yeah. But... Uh yeah, so between now and then we'll we'll cover a bunch of fights. Uh anytime people are being kicked and punched in the face, we will be there to talk about it. That's about to be the official new tagline. I think I said that last time. <laughs> but, yeah. Stick ass people. Yeah. That's 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 what we do. But thanks you guys for listening. This has been a long one, but it's been fun. We we covered a lot and there will be a lot more to cover soon in the coming weeks so thank you guys for listening uh like subscribe share tell a friend friend of a friend and punch uh, a friend in the face right we'll talk about it right and (laughs) we'll be there to talk about it and we'll review it when it goes on world star uh yeah yeah. so until next time we will catch you guys later peace peace I'm going to do a, okay, all right, so I can edit that out too, all right, so hold on, let me check my files, to make sure we got the last 20 minutes of, let me, oh man, where's that folder, I always forget where they save it, um, podcast calls, oh, actually, this should tell me how long, Um, Make the point out we tried to start this podcast at like six o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hold on. So hold on, what's today? The first. Okay, so Technology and magnets are a bitch. Man, yeah, we went for a long time. Okay, hold on, so Take out thirty minutes. Yeah. Actually I think it was forty. Uh, all right. All right. So the first one we did was two hours and thirteen minutes minus forty minutes. So then we damn we were already at like an hour and about thirty, probably. Yeah. Yeah, this is just about. Yeah. So it means in total we probably were about an hour fifty, almost two. That's eh, not terrible. Yeah, we'll be all right. We're just starting. We'll figure this out. <laughs> I think eventually I might start uh cuz I don't do notes. I should do notes. I just kind of wing it.
I feel like winging yeah. is more of a natural reaction. Yeah, well, I, I wrote notes. I, I barely paid attention to them. But they're over there. Yeah. I might just start doing notes just to keep structure on what it is I want to talk about. Oh, uh, yeah. Because I just kind of go. But, hey, we're only six <clears> episodes <throat> in. We don't get paid for this. Yep. Yeah, we'll figure it out. You know what we should talk about next week? You should talk about how much you want a Sage Northcutt um, just watches Black Historic Movies podcast. Sage Northcutt and Tyrone Woodley just watch every black movie. <laughs> you know what? You know what the weirdest thing was? Like, I saw the tweet about Sage Northcutt um, watching Birth of a Nation with Tyrone Woodley. And Willie was like, yeah, he watched it with me, and he, he walked out, and he was like, I can't believe we did that to you people. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, did you not see that? No, I did not. Uh, apparently, Sage Northcote was very upset about Birth of a Nation. And I'm sitting here thinking it's like the 1915 one or whatever, where it's about like the Ku Klux Klan. I'm like, oh, oh, I thought he, oh, I thought you were talking about the new one. Oh, so he, he watched is. the... Uh, no, I, I, that was what I was thinking about. Like, oh. what circumstances brought Tyrone Woodley, a father of three, to sit down with twenty-year-old Sage Northcutt and watch a nineteen fifteen movie <laughs> about the Ku Klux Klan? <laughs> and I had to think about, like, oh, they made the new one. Oh man! <laughs> and then I had to sit down and think about what brought Tyrone Woodley to say, "Hey, Sage, do you want to go see Birth of a Nation with me?" Right. Like, was how did that conversation it? even start? Was, like, Tyron Woodley in it? Because, like, he just gets into movies now. Like, That's he was wild. in, um, what you call it? The NWA movie. Oh, I still haven't watched that. I always meant to check that out. That's I funny, a, though. I have a bootleg downstairs somewhere. That's funny. Like, <laughs> his response. Oh, my God, he's Spider-Man Homecoming. Woodley? Yes. What? What the fuck? Who is Tyron Woodley's agent? I'll probably go. They're doing a good job. (laughs) (laughs) They're doing a good job. I'll probably end up seeing that, even though I don't even watch a Spider-Man movie in forever. Uh, I'll see it. I'm going to see it. That must be those new, uh, these new owners. They're entertainers, so maybe he, uh, yeah, he made some connections with somebody. He'll be an Avenger soon. He was in two movies this year. He was in Kickbo- the Kickboxer movie that nobody saw. I didn't either. It's on Netflix, too. I don't, still haven't watched it. I refuse to acknowledge anything past the original. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to look at Whoa, 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 whoa. It's always a Bollywood movie. What? Which one? The, the other movie he was in this year, Sultan. Someone literally flew Tyron Woodley <laughs> all the way to freaking India so he could be a wrestler in a movie T. without Wood a name. T. Wood getting that money. <laughs> he said they might not give me a UFC one team in that. Oh my God, they, 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 he, he got to play himself. He's just wow. Tyron Woodley. <laughs> <laughs> He's winning. He's winning. Hey. You know what, that that actually made me like him a little more now. Uh, I, I used to be on the fence about him. But I'm a fan. He made it to Bollywood. 
Okay, he I'm, made big time, man. I'm I'm all for it. That movie bombed like oh no, it didn't. It made money, huh? I can't count. Never mind. Ignore <laughs> me. I gotta see this sage thing though. I can't his reaction was I can't believe we did that to your people. <laughs> like <laughs> Like, Sage Northcutt is, like, it's just a study in just what happens when you protect a child from the world. <laughs> now I'm interested to see, like, what Sage is going to do, like, his next walkout. Okay. The tweet was by Champions Fight MMA, but it was from, like, the MMA Hour. It was a Woodley interview. And he says, we watched Birth of a Nation together. Sage Northcutt walked out mad. Like, why did we do that? <laughs> Sage... Sage is gonna come out wearing like an Adidas chain. His next walkout, he's gonna be wearing red, black, and blue. Or green. <laughs> oh, that that kid. He's gonna be in like white, the white privilege three music. <laughs> Macklemore. That kid. Oh no, I can't wait to see what he becomes. I kind of can because I'm afraid he's going to be like a well not serial killer but like he's going to grow up and become depressed I hope he doesn't go off the deep end like he like he's like 20 now he's like 23 and he like leaves his dad and smokes for the first time or <laughs> he just goes off the deep end oh boy good old good old sage a bizarre personality from the last place you would expect it. Tyron <laughs> Woodley changed that man's life. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, man. Oh, I gotta go eat. I haven't even ate dinner. Bro, I was hungry before we started this podcast. Yeah, I thought of... I thought of eating before we recorded, but I was like, if I eat before we record, I'm just not gonna record. <laughs> and <laughs> I didn't want to record tomorrow because I gotta be an adult and I got a doctor's appointment and a dentist appointment tomorrow. I don't know how this is gonna work. I want to skip one of them, but I can't. So, oh, boy, I told myself I'm gonna do my taxes tomorrow. I don't know how that's gonna work either. Yeah, I figured out that too. I downloaded. <laughs> I didn't download it. But I'm gonna do TurboTax for the first time. Cause I'm tired of paying people to do my taxes. I'm just worried I'm going to miss something and then I'm going to owe people money. <laughs> End up like Cowboy. Cowboy just doesn't do his taxes. <laughs> like, you uh, know, I talk about man-child. Like, I think Cowboy just grew up not learning the things that you, like, you need to do to be an adult. And I'm like, dude, you've gotten so many fight bonuses. There's no reason you should be in debt. Like, <laughs> there's no, there's no excuse. Uh, but yeah, I'm um I'm probably not gonna edit this podcast tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta do this one. I gotta do this on a clear head. And yeah, full stomach. Yeah, and definitely a full stomach. And man, two hours is gonna take so long to render, but it'll. Right. I'm gonna make it work. All right. I'm probably gonna wake up early and uh, I'll knock it out early. Uh, Alright man, I'm gonna go uh, make a burger or something Alright, same here Have a good night Alright, right. no problem man